0: All right, welcome back to the Never Going Pro podcast. It's a podcast about riding bikes and being parents and trying super hard at both. Uh, my name is Shane Gaffney. Ken the Badger Nowell and Chris Gorney are not with me today, but I have a person who is more than able to fill both of their shoes, if not more. And I am here with Coach David Lipscomb. Hello, Coach. How are you?
1: I'm good, Coach. How you doing? Great. Thank doing you. Thank you for asking. In words.
0: So this episode of the podcast, I wanted to have coach on to speak on diversity and inclusion, especially as it relates to cycling. Um, something I'm obviously very familiar with. I'm passionate about, but it's also one of those things I feel that is spoke about a lot. It's a little bit buzz termy, I think. And I don't think people understand it truly. And I also have an issue with how can I actually make diversity and inclusion better? Like, what are some things I can do to actually make a, a, a positive impact on inclusion and diversity? So that's kind of be what the podcast is going to be about today. And mm-hmm. David is obviously no person better, I think, on planet Earth to speak about these issues than Coach David Lipscomb. So if you want, Coach, kind of tell us a little bit about yourself and give us the, the long and short of who you are and what you're all about.
1: Oh, excellent. Uh, thank you, coach. Um, thank you for, first of all, this opportunity to share. Um, truth be told, I think this is one of the, the, the best levels of conversations that I love to have with people. Because as you said, um, there's a lot of, and I, I'll, I'll introduce myself in a moment, but I think there's a lot of, um, gray area that people don't know. And hopefully, in this conversation, I'll be able to share some some pointed information that people can kind of take with them, and 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 make a choice and make a change in their own environment, um, their own organizations, their own personal self. Um, so, I think you'll hear a lot of that kind of context today in our conversation. But uh, a little bit about me. Um, Well, uh, I started doing diversity work in 2003 at a large financial services firm uh, back in Pennsylvania. And um, I think one of the unique things, and and you're going to hear some threads of this conversation that I had back in 2003 that are currently very visible today. So a lot of times I think where where people get kind of jaded is, it is kind of a buzzword, but those individuals don't really understand the impact that that the work of diversity does. So in true actuality, um, and I'll tell you a little bit more uh, about me, um, I'm a p- performance cycling coach. Uh, I've been uh, doing performance coaching f- for the last 16 years. Oh, my gosh, 16 years. That's a long time. 16 years. <laughs> 16 years. But in the in the midst of of doing performance coaching, I was actually working at this financial services firm, and I coached a few people uh, along the way. Um, and from that point, I actually utilized diversity and inclusion to drive my business.
0: Interesting, because it, it,
1: it in true actuality is about people. Diversity is about people, and 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 I'll share with you some threads. As I see it in the way I look at things around diversity, because I call it like like you look at training. Here's a perfect example. We look at training from a performance standpoint when we want people to perform to the next level. It usually takes around three years to do it. So diversity is kind of the same thing. It's it's If it's done correctly, it's more of a strategic approach to change management. That's really what it is because it's about aligning people to move an individual or group in the right direction based on what the company wants to do. Mm -hmm. So I'll give you a perfect example. I look at it in in three phases. So I call it diversity 1.0. So diversity 1.0 is about the awareness of diversity. What, 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 why would a company want to do this work? What, What does it really mean to actually do it now? As bad as it may seem, but as good as 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 how do I say it? As bad as it may seem, things have happened in the past that have made companies stand up. I right? based on George Floyd and, and and all of those things that have happened in the past. Um, so what has happened is organizations have made their their call on diversity, and sometimes, in some cases, shouldn't have said anything. Truth be told. Because now it exposes the company to do things that others were wanting them to do, and sometimes the organizations aren't ready for that change. So from an awareness standpoint, I think where the rubber really meets the road is, why does the company want to do the work? Because it's a, it's a huge undertaking as it relates to change, because now you're changing the mental mind, uh, mind frame of how people interact with themselves inside of an organization, how do you then base your 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 customer base and what are your customers saying? So a lot of that conversation needs to be very clear on why the company wants to do the work. So that's the first thing. And I think the second thing is when it comes to these early adopters. Now, I'll give a perfect example. Swift was a perfect example of this. When Swift first came to the market based on virtual uh, uh, training, we they had to find who were the early adopters to this program and to this platform, right? Yeah. So, so I think that was, I think one of the, the 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 most important things in the business is who are those early adopters? Same thing with diversity is who are the early adopters to help make change? Because you're going to have your naysayers, oh, this work doesn't make any sense. Oh, oh let's just do what the traditional type of work is supposed to be. Let's not change the the modus operandi. Let's not do that. Let's just not do that. Um, so, creating that buy in around early adopters is super important because then the CEO of the company who's talking about, here's why we want to do this work, has to back up the things that are being said because now it's about verbal. People out externally are like, okay, they said this is the work, the diversity that they want to do, but really, does it back that up? Is there leadership support that's backing up the words that are being said? So, I call that the diversity 1.0 is the awareness piece. So people can say, okay, why are we doing the work? So then in 2.0, it's about the business case. Why should you do the work? What does it make sense from the business perspective? Now, this is where the rubber really meets the road. And this might, how can I say it, coach, um, ruffle some feathers a bit. Great. But, 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 but the, I think where the traditional marketing conversation becomes kind of tough for people to understand that really diversity is about marketing. It truly is. It's about from a business case perspective, how are you able to then tap into a market that you don't have access to? That's marketing, right? That that's really the business case of why do you really want to do this work? You want to gain access to the to the markets that you have no access to? And a lot of it has to be assimilated with what does the culture actually look like? Are you are, here it is. Do you want to go after grassroots? Well, what does really grassroots mean? Is it an African-American market? Is it an Asian market? Is it a, a person of color market? What market are you talking about? Because we always want to diversify our market segments. But what are we really talking about? So when it comes to the diversity of business, what markets are we going after? What, how are we attaching our, our leadership towards discipline and, and development of why the work really matters for the organization? What does the workforce actually look like? What's the composition? So that's representation, right? And we're going to go into the, the 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 relationship between cycling and workforce because it's exactly the same. Exactly the same because it is dealing with people. The third piece is what, what's what's the aspect of, of, of what type of customer do you want? How are you retaining the customer? Not about re, uh, uh, um acquisition of, of a customer, it's about retaining them. Because it costs a lot of money to acquire new customers. It takes a lot of money. It takes a lot of money to acquire new employees. So how are you retaining these folks? How are you keeping them engaged in the conversation based on, I'd say, five really distinct things? It's about access, correct? It's about the mm-hmm. access. It's about engagement, right? It's about inclusion. Like, how are we including people in the conversation? How are we creating products that, that help our customers want to buy our product, right? That's the business case. And the, the fourth thing is, do you have an ownership of the work that you're doing? Who's who's owning the efforts? Are you accountable for the effort? And are we unified in our approach to do the work? That's the 2.0 model. I call it the 2.0 model. The third phase of it is okay. Now that you have all these pieces in in place, but now how are we hold the organization accountable for action, performance, right? Because at the end of the day, if we're not tying it to some type of behavior, that change will never happen. If it's not tied to something that's you know, called it the, the Maslow hierarchy of need, well, that's a revenue piece to that. If if, if it's tapping into somebody's back pocket, they might change their behavior. That's just the 3.0 model. That's high level, 30,000 foot. There it is.
0: I love it. It's interesting where I would agree, I think a lot of people at least in my opinion, it gets stuck between one and two Mm -hmm. where Mm -hmm. they're definitely about diversity and inclusion. They post about it on social media or they kind of do their whole, I don't want to say the word virtue signaling, but I guess that is what it is, right? That's what it is. But I guess that's where, how can, how can we help more people go from one to two and eventually obviously the goal is to get to phase three so like are there any strategies or skills we can use to have people go from going from phase one into phase two where they're actually they're they're, they're actually taking actionable steps doing something that is actually making a difference in inclusion and diversity
1: oh that's a great question coach i, I it goes down to one very and i think the most important thing is understanding yourself first where are you parked? Where is the individual parked? What areas of, of, of influence that you might have or that you don't understand, so that you can educate yourself on that? Now, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this, that this. This once again might ruffle some feathers, folks, but it is what it is. There are certain areas of diversity that should be in business and should not be in business. Right? Just because you have a voice, and I get it, I understand that, but there's, you still have to run a business. Still got to run a business. Still got to run the business. So w- w- we can't allow the the, the the inmates to run the asylum. You've heard that phrase before. We can't allow yeah. that, right? So, so there has to be some protections in place that make the work make sense for the company, for the company so that you don't divide yourselves with individuals inside, Or well, well, this side of the company doesn't do that, right? But this side of the company does this, right? So you start pulling ourselves apart from each other. So I would say the individual has to take a step back and look at themselves first. You can't understand others if you, unless you don't understand yourself. I think that's the very most important piece is regardless of what color you are, regardless of where you are and where you come from what uh, um, organizational level and classification you have on um, 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 what education you have look at yourself first before you compare yourself to someone else and then you can and then you can say okay now I understand what shoes you're in what shoes you're in so that I can talk to you in a better light than what I think and we call this microaggression so that's I think the, the diversity 3.0 is around policies Practices and and procedures, but a lot of it is around training. Well, if I have a microaggression to towards you, I'm like, okay, Coach Shane, um, you you know, you you, you might. um, How do? What's a good microaggression?
0: Well, let's do this. Like, I live in Boston. You live in New York, and I hate the Yankees, and you hate the Red
1: Sox. There it is. That's a (laughs) microaggression. That's that is truly a microaggression. Okay, so so it's it's an assumption of of what people think. Is true, but might not be true, right? Right. So mm-hmm. I think just order is this-
0: I. I don't hate the Yankees. I love the Yankees. I love the Red Sox too. I love all baseball teams.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's just the old school uh, rivalry between Boston yeah. and New York for sure. But yeah, yeah. that makes total sense. Yeah. yeah. Oh, go yeah. ahead. I cut you off.
1: Yeah. Um. But I, I. I think it's just. It's just getting to know yourself first is super important, and and and, and how you fit in the model of of a change management process if your organization is looking to do this level of work whatever it may be how do you fit in the model to ensure that you're doing what you need to do as an individual inside the company to support the customer because at the end of the day if we're not supporting the customer we don't have jobs right i mean that's that's real talk right that's really real talk that's real talk
0: so. yep agreed i think that's good let's maybe steer this a little bit more, I guess, towards something more specific, which is cycling. Sure. Right? So, um, you know, it's, it's not a, not a surprise that most people where Most cyclists are white, right. For what it's worth. Mm-hmm. Um, why do you think that's the case? Yeah.
1: Well, let's go back. We you need to go way, 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 way back. So we can get some context around the subject matter. um, from from my perspective, and, and I'm a person of color, okay? I'm an African-American, and I know when I was growing up, part of why I rode my bike was around the freedom. I wanted to get on my bike, and I think that goes with everybody else, but in, in true actuality for, for for me, it was about me getting on my bike and becoming free. Right? Agreed. Um, Same to me. Yeah, absolutely. So so what has happened now in pre, in, in the previous days as we see it, Here's my, th- once again, this is me speaking, it's, it's, there has been this um, disconnect between how to break through this barrier. This is what they call this invisible, invisible barrier. The very invisible barrier is how do you go from being a cat two, cat three, cat one to an elite level of, of, of cycling? A lot of it is based around access. I talked about that before. Access is the number one piece. So and and I'll I'll give you guys an example of like swimming is a perfect example of that. You need access to pools. And you got to get access to pools. So a lot of that access takes a lot of money. And that access is around engagement of, well, how engaged are you in that conversation as it relates to the amount of money that needs to be spent in the space. A lot of times we're not educated enough or someone has never told us what are the steps to get there. Right? And I think that's where the disconnect is and, and that's that's where the problem now lies in getting past that that invisible barrier. Because we only know what we know if we what we see and a lot of that 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 conversation is not as inclusive for other people only in certain people. Does that make sense, coach?
0: It does make sense. To me, it makes sense. Yes. Hopefully it does to our audience too. Yes.
1: And I'll explain it even better too. So you and I understand, but now let's go in a little deeper than that. The conversation in the traditional sense is, okay, this is our network. This is how we communicate in our network. Some people aren't included in that network or that conversation. So, Others then become, oh, I, this, is, this is foreign to me, and, 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 and I'm not given the types of, of, of tools or conversations for me to, to, to elevate my performance to that level. Maybe I don't have the money to do it, right? Maybe I don't have the access to people to create that conversation, to get to that level. Um, th- th- there's, there's Financially, I don't have the money to do that. That traditional sense has the money to do that, right? Um, there's also about an, a, a level of ethics or, 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 or resilience that some people might not have or that don't have the, the, the support to get to that level. I mean, there's just so many pieces to this. And that actually happens in workforce too. It's exactly the same thing. I was an executive in a bank, right? I was the vice president of diversity for, for an organization. I had to break through that invisible barrier too I had to break through that, um, and some people might not have the ability to be supported to get past that level. So, in true actuality, this area over here already has that. The majority of it already has that support, or 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 the 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 connections to people who that group doesn't have access to. See Got where it. that goes.
0: Got it. So access and socioeconomic status i guess more or less one than two bingo
1: bingo Which yeah go ahead coach
0: as that makes total total sense so i guess the next thing which is logical is we covered the why Mm -hmm. now i guess we can cover which i really want to get into a lot is like the what so obviously my work at zwift is training content manager so i've been involved with I mean, DEEB, whatever you want to call it, however you want to define it, since I first joined, whether there is from working with Legion of LA, working with Black Celebration Series, working mm-hmm. with athletes with disabilities, working with um, um, Asian uh, Pacific Islanders, mm-hmm. whatever group really needs to be, I guess, given support, as you said, and uplifted, I want to do that. So it's easy for me because I have access to this massive catalog of athletes that use Lyft, right? Um, and actually funny just sidebar, David is probably the only coach that can say he used Zwift before I did. Thank you. <laughs> Interestingly. <laughs> Thank you. You're, you're probably the only coach that can say that. So right. that's Thank another you. uh big plus for David. And I've known David for years now. We've actually written together, and um, yeah, he's he's one of my all time favorites for sure. Thanks, coach. Um, yeah. But, anyways, so I guess, like, for people that don't have maybe as much access or uh, influence as you or I do, what are some things that the average person could do to, again, improve inclusion, diversity, or kind of like what's the what is the what, I guess, for diversity and mm-hmm. inclusion? Mm-hmm. If that makes sense.
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. The, the, I think the first question is ask questions. <laughs> just got kind of to ask questions if if you don't know what you don't know and you don't ask questions you don't know so you to ask questions ask questions to those who who might have a higher level of of, of education around the subject matter to get more clarity around the situation or around the around the subject matter um now i think for me it it, it i have mentors that i've talked to that i continue to talk to 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 elevate my education in that space. I'm just as good as as the next person, but I have to have mentors too so that I can do a better job at what I do, be it diversity, be it be it performance coaching, be it anything, right? So you have to talk to people who, who know what they know is <laughs> that, you know? Um, I think the other thing is, is when we talk about what can people do um. Don't be a af- just. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I'll, okay, I'll I'll say it this way. I, I think Caucasian males, specifically Caucasian males, and this will ruffle feathers again, is is the work of diversity. They feel that there's something being taken away from them.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm.
1: You, you see where I'm, You see where I'm going with that. I do for yeah. sure. Right. So it's not about things being taken away. It's about gaining more access and creating more value for the individual.
0: Right. I also say too, like, I guess, I don't know if leveling the playing field is appropriate to say here, but it's, I guess that that is true, right? We are we're trying to give everybody the same chance of success as anybody else has. Correct. Like, that's, that's why I, That's why I like to do the work I'm doing. And this is why I like to do stuff like this on the podcast too, right? Because I want to bring awareness to the subject. That's, as you said, phase one. And then phase two is, you know, what can we do to make it better? What can we do to lift up everybody and give everybody the best chance of success that they have? Obviously, you have to still work hard to achieve what you want to do for success. But ideally, everybody should start off at step one, not step minus 10.
1: That's right. That's right. Now I'm going to say another level. Okay. Another level, but dig a little deeper. Organizations have the key to make the change. Organizations, not the individual, but the organizations have an opportunity to make the added change in the space of cycling. Okay. And I'm going to give you an example. We have all these companies that are out there doing all of these great things all this great product sets, this, that, and the third. Um, They have the pockets to make change. So when we talked about access, we talked about engagement. If we know, Shane, Coach Shane, if we know that there's no ability to unify the sport of cycling based on a group of individuals that have that do not have the access organizations have the capability of and this is corporate social responsibility those who are listening that are in a C suite environment it's the responsibility of the organizations corporate social responsibility to do the work to do that and 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 that's 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 truth being told that's real talk it's corporate social responsibility is super important for companies if they want to go for those market segments, because it is about market segmentation, that's marketing 101, their corporate social responsibility is part of that. So if you want to, to include more people in cycling, okay, big companies, start putting some dollars to it. Put some dollars to it. Put some dollars to it to help people support and grow and get to the level of where other people are. Right. So that it's, it's, it, it, like you said, it levels the playing field, right? Organizations have the pockets to do that. Mm-hmm. So, so it's not just about a diversity thing. And I hate to say it this way. Oh, it's the right thing for business, but it really is the right thing for business. Right? It's the right thing to do.
0: Yeah. I think it's also just the right thing to do as a human too. Right. There if you is. want to make it even more basic, like, why okay. would I ever want to step on anyone to make myself better? correct right that's just to me that's that's crazy to me um obviously there's people out there that think like that but that's too bad for them right but yeah i mean why would i want to ever want to reduce a human to make myself better that that's me that's just crazy talk right
1: right oh my gosh I, i i i'll tell you coach i i i get I could talk about this all day, and there are times wh- wh- where, where it's not that I get upset, but I, it's like wow, it, it, I think we try to make this so complicated, but it's really not. It's it's super simple. Yeah. It's 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 it, it's the human condition. It's truly the human condition, right? It, it's it's how do we as in as humans connect, and that connection is through energy, and our connection is through cycling. Right, doesn't matter what color it is, but it's about the connection of cycling. That's 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 the 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 um what's the word, uh, coach um, that's the that's the thing that 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 binds us. There it is. That's the thing that binds us, regardless of what color it is. Cycling is what binds us. Based, it, it, cycling is what binds us. I'll just I'll just stop there. I'll just stop there. It's cycling true. is what binds us.
0: Very true. Yeah, we we talk about we talk about that a lot in the podcast and we always point fun at um people that I guess that take cycling too seriously, right? We always point fun at those people in 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 jest. We don't want to actually make fun of them, right? But the three of us, so typically there's there's three of us on the podcast, me and myself, Ken and Chris. Me and myself, Ken and Chris? No, me, Ken and Chris. <laughs> I'm only I'm only one person, not two people. Uh-huh. And we're obviously like I guess washed up, right? So that's why we we have this this is called the Never Going Pro podcast because we know we're never going to go pro. And the Never Going Pro Podcast is kind of like a tongue-in-cheek title of the podcast too, right? Mm-hmm. But I agree, like we want to make everybody feel included, whether they ride their bike for one hour a week, whether they ride a bike for twenty five hours a week paid to get ride their bikes are not paid. We just want to have people to have fun, feel like they're part of this big community. Because I guess for me, that's what really drew me into endurance sport was the community around it. It, it, For me, it was running first and then it was triathlon and now it happens to be cycling now, but I've always loved the community of endurance athletes. We're all suffering together more or less. And we know that If we do this workout and we push ourselves to the limit, we're going to be stronger the next time we do that same workout. Just think it's kind of the same thing here, right? You might have some struggles in the beginning, but if you can make yourself a better person and make people feel more included, then that's going to make you and everybody else stronger and uplifted at the same time.
1: Correct. Correct. So, So now let's go a little deeper, a little deeper. So we both know as performance coaches, the value of, of not just the coaching, but how, how, how programs are formed and how they're created, right? We know that. So the value that I bring in my business is I teach people why that makes sense or why that matters, why that matters. Because a lot of times the knowledge that's not being shared with those become a it becomes a problem because it, it becomes like, okay, this is a myth type of conversation. Well, I heard and I read all these types of things on the internet and and nobody really tells me what does real training, what is real training. So perfect example. I know for a fact that that the work that I do, from a global perspective, now this is global perspective, there are coaches of color that don't do what I do. Truly don't do what I do. Number one, I was the first to demo Swift in the world. I was that person, right? I was the first documented coach on Swift, clearly, right? So, so so a lot of times, individuals in the in the minority group, I guess you can call it that, we don't have access to that knowledge that others have access and knowledge to. So you see. That that the the education in this group isn't quite there, but there's education in this group that's just heir apparent. It's already there. It's already been told. We have to bridge that gap. We have to bridge the gap where that knowledge is concerned. Why is performance coaching? Why does it really matter? Well, there's a reason why it matters. If you want to get breaking through that that glass ceiling, you need that piece. You really need that piece in order to get to that level, right? To get to that level, I think that that's that's coach. I think that's where where we need to do a better job as educating more people why this work, ma- why performance coaching matters, why it matters, why it matters. If you want to get to that level, and 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 I'll go back to the corporate environment is individuals of color ha- and women too have to understand. Do you really want to be a part of that level? Because in that level, there's um, risk and rewards. There's trade-offs that are part of that. The individual has to then say to themselves, okay, is, there an, is that the area I want to be in? You then have to look at yourself and say, okay, do I want to be there? Or don't I want to be there? Am I good where I'm at? Am I good in the in the middle of the, of, of, of the pack? Am I the pack fodder? I love when you say that. Am I a pack fodder? You know what I'm mean? saying? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> do I want to be that person? Is that okay? Do I want to be that person? You know. So it's a lot of choices an individual has to make if they want to get to that level. And that's, that's truth, right? Cause we see it as performance coaches. We know that it's, do you, what are your goals? Okay. My goals, blah, 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 whatever it may be. Okay. Well, here's what it's going to take for you to get to that level. Are you ready for that? Right.
0: Yeah. So, Love it.
1: Yeah. It, the,
0: there's a good segue, too, because I, I did want to bring this into your your specific flavor, I guess, of coaching. Yeah. So um, David is a CEO and founder of C- CIS Cycling based in New York. Yep. Um, I've known David for five years, four yes, years. Have- I can't remember. Five so years. Um, it's been a while. Yeah. But anyway, David has a very specific um, flavor of coaching where he's a master of, I would say, creating community in his athletes, which is something I've always struggled with in my business personally. And he does it masterfully. And he also is able to do it from colors, creeds, countries. I mean, you have this uh, crazy ability to, I guess, level the playing field, right? From any type of diversity or country or even continents, right? So I guess like that was my other question around here was, what are some things you've done in your own business that are kind of deep centric and are able to really create that community of global athletes, which is something that is, you are the one of the only people I've ever known to actually do that and do that fairly well.
1: Oh, coach, man, thank you for saying that. I, I really appreciate you saying that. Um, it took a lot of hard work to get it to this point, and, and, and there was a lot of trial and error. Um, so I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you the 30,000-foot the, the level, and we can go in depth and detail as, as we continue the conversation. Um, I think that the, the toughest part was finding the right people, to start, mm. it, to start the community, to start it, um, which was the hardest part. It, 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 like I said, I've been doing this for sixteen years, and the hardest part was finding the right people who were the early adopters to my to my to my business logic to why I wanted to create this level of community. Um, it ebbed and flowed. Um, people came and went. Right. Um, but what has happened over the last three years, specifically over the last three years, was COVID actually helped my business, truth be told. Same here. And, 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 and to be able to then say to my, my membership is, okay, we are here as an organization to help you in the, the most trying time in your life right because everybody was individual they had to stay at home we know all that conversation we know that like the back of our hand but what CIS training systems has done really well is we we had to revamp our programs this had to revamp it so my background's in in HR so i have this this understanding of human condition and how c- to create these relationships between people right so I, I, all of these, these models that are out there in the space, like, and, and I, this is funny when I share this with you, when we're looking at changing how we did our business, I actually looked at the Amazon model. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. You're going to love this one. I was laying in bed in my bedroom back here. I'm like, man, okay, how am I going to be able to create a continuity of my membership knowing that I have access to all these people through the value of Swift, right? And, and, and my, my assistant manager, Coach Donnie, Donnie Smith from Virginia, him and I talked about this for years. It's like, okay, as long as Swift is available and moving towards their drive and doing what they do, we have an access to an environment to engage more people. How are we going to ensure that we have people that are in our platform based on some, some clear, clear logic around like alumni programs in college, exactly the same process. Um, and then when I talk about the uh, Amazon model, when you look at Amazon's model, it's just very simple. It's, you're getting tremendous value for a very amazing price point, right? Very amazing price point. So when people, this is funny, when people look at my website, they say, wow, well, wait, well, coach, uh, coach David's programs are so cheap. It's that way for a reason. It's that way for a purpose. I don't want to charge people an arm and a leg for 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 service. That 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 it's about the longevity of retaining a customer. It's not about the, okay, I have you for twelve weeks and then I have to then you know uh, spin up again and and try to find the next uh, client. I have members on my program that are on my program for six, seven, eight, nine years. Yeah. Based on this, now this is where I think we do a unique model that no one has done yet is I don't have it in front of me, but it's in the back room. Um, I'm a martial artist, right? I'm a black belt martial arts. Um, I've been training for uh, probably 30 years, some craziness, 30 years. Okay. And I utilize the model of a dojo environment in my business. Because if you think about it, When you start educating people around your your modus operandi, around how you coach people and how you perform and get people to, to level up, it makes it easier for me because I'm teaching them how I coach that they can coach other people. So it's just not about the coaches that I have. It's about the membership that I have that educates people through the process based around what a dojo environment would be like. So brown belts and black belts actually help drive the conversation based around getting people to move forward through the process. So I never lose people. I never lose people, coach. I never lose people. When they come on the program, it's about the engagement of the entire membership that just elevates people to keep them moving. They keep them moving. I never lose people. Mm-hmm. So I can from value, that too. Oh, thank you. So from a value standpoint, it's, 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 it's getting people to educate themselves in performance coaching and then others that are outside looking in and say well what are you guys doing that's different than mine well, I want to know more about that
0: yeah so, and it's funny like that was the my my final question was that like talk to me a little bit about the black belts program cuz i was <clears throat> fortunate enough to be uh a camp i can't remember where i, was. I think it was a camp in new hampshire was yeah, it new hampshire i was we're there we are in
1: vermont we're in vermont yeah
0: I showed up and I I just dropped the entire CIS crew. No, I didn't. I'm only kidding. <laughs> You're
1: funny. <laughs> no, but you did I'm ride wicked. strong up that climb, now.
0: I did ride strong, but that was about it. I, I had a really strong two minutes that day, and that was <laughs> only two minutes. That was good. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That's awesome. But I do think too. It's it's another thing where um, how am I going to phrase this question? I guess it's the rewarding in the validation that what you're what you're doing is paying off. I think that's another that's another really hard thing for a lot of athletes to realize if they're not motivated purely by performance. Like if you have an athlete that's motivated purely by power and FTP and VO2 Max and all those other alphabet soup things, right? Then it's easy to keep somebody motivated. And the black belt program is an interesting thing where You don't have to necessarily be motivated by performance, but you still know and you still have that literally belt in your hands to tell you that you are making progress and you are a better person as a result. So, yeah, talk to me a little bit more about that, if you don't mind, because I think that's a really interesting conversation. And and also, I think relates to diversity in inclusion, too, a little bit, Mm because it's really hard to like, I'm not going to be able to see. This podcast, at least I'm hoping this podcast makes an impact on some people's minds and diversity and inclusion. Mm -hmm. But um, I know in the back of my mind that it is, even though I'm not going to necessarily get that validation unless somebody comments and it's like, oh my God, that was a really enlightening podcast. Coach David is amazing. I'm going to go out and try to help people, you Mm -hmm.
1: know, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. um, okay, here it is. Um, give you the trade secrets, the trade (laughs) secrets. (laughs) <laughs>
0: Whatever you can. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's okay. That's, it's simple. It's really simple. So I've been very fortunate coach to, to, to achieve my black belt. Okay. And I have two other bla- uh, belts within a, two other styles. So I have a black belt in martial arts in Shodokan. And Kung Nu Oriental martial arts was a Vietnamese martial art. I have a brown belt in Shotokan, and I have a brown belt in full contact stick fighting. So, I I have some amazing mentors in my physical space, I guess you can call it that, and in my mental space. So I took all the things I've learned in martial arts and I applied here in this program because it's all about how to move people dynamically. Right? It's how to move people dynamically, not just based on it goes beyond the FTP number. Right. So there there are these twelve things that 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 based around behavior, because those 12 things I'm about to share are all about performance, are truly all about performance. It's as performance coaches, we always want our clients to have an open mind, right? So that they can gain the knowledge that we're sharing with them. Okay. So that's number one. Number two is it's all about discipline. You have to be disciplined to get the work done. And that's what... Martial arts teaches the individuals around discipline. The third piece is focus. You have to have a tremendous amount of focus to do these workouts, right? Because you want the benefit of the workout, right? Um, and, and I say this all the time uh, to those that 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 come on my program first first glances. I'll say one clear question to them. I'm like, I want you to do a 30-minute workout in zone two heart rate, 90 plus RPMs. And nine times out of 10, they will say to me, oh, I can ride harder and longer than that. That is not what I asked you to do. Because now you're not paying attention to what I'm saying to you, right? You're you're, you're not understanding the value of what I'm saying. Because then they become, they say, well, well," then their mindset is, well, I, I know more than the coach does. No, you don't. You hired me to do something, a value proposition for you. Okay, that's the third piece. Fourth piece is, how do you build that level of self-confidence? Everybody comes to, comes to us, coach and I, you and I, always have this inability or, or this lack of confidence. Part of training is about building confidence. So if you're consistent and if you're focused, you build confidence. <laughs> you just build confidence in, in your ability. This level of self-control as well is, do you keep your emotions in check? When the workouts get tough, or do you just lose it, right? Or do you stay self-confident? Or is your is your control better, right? So this is these are just five things in martial arts that I learned that I apply in my program. Do you have an open mind? Great. If you do, we can we can do some great things. Um, are you disciplined? And if you're not disciplined, I'm going to help you become more disciplined. If you're not focused, I'm going to help you become more focused. If you lack confidence you're going to gain confidence in my program. And if you have a lack of control, part of the, the control factor is, is body control. You see people climb all the time out on the road or all over the bicycle. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> what, what, what are you doing? Why are you allowing the bike to ride you? You ride in. It becomes an extension of you. Now, this is a perfect example. And I'll tell you all the other pieces. The self-control, when you think about self-control, it's, it's, In martial arts, when we introduce weapons training, okay, weapons training is about the extension of the arm. And if you're using like a a bow or or nunchaka, which is, you know, the the things that are flailing sticks, um, it's an extension of your body. But if you don't have the control, it'll get out of hand. Same thing on the bike. If you're allowing the bike to to ride you instead of you riding it, that's a lack of control. So part of form, technique, and position—what I call it—is FTP. But it's form. Do you have proper form? You taught me. You told me that when we we're in Vermont. I'm like, Coach, it's. I look. I'm looking at a couple of these riders. They have to work on their form. You said that to me, because that's super important, right? And that goes along the lines with uh, uh, performance coaching and martial arts. Is if you have bad form, it will come out. Right, especially for us as performance coaches, and our ability to watch our clients, be it uh, 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 virtually or on the road, is if you have bad technique, you will always have bad technique. So you have to work on the focus level of that. is the next piece: F- perform to your best of your ability. Right? If 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 we can always be as good as we can be, but we can always be better. Right. So perform to your best of your ability, regardless of what level you're at, be at the level, uh, high level or, or intermediate or beginner. Just perform to your best. Right. Um, consistency and training have patience and pride in your accomplishment. Have a commitment to your excellence. Be committed. If you're not committed, well, how much do you really want? Right. As performance coaches, we're here to help you get to your best level of, of yourself, uh, of yourself. Um, be a learner. Uh, uh, be a leader, be an achiever. Achiever, um, have this open mind around body and spirit, and then have this non-defeatist attitude. And I'm going to talk about non-defeatist attitude. It's not being cocky or or being braggadocious. It's being I'm being I know I'm being sure of my of my ability as a, as a cyclist. So my black belts are a perfect example of these twelve things I just talked about. They are super committed to what they do and how they're helping other people. Right. So it's just not about my coaches that I have. I have a coach in Italy, coach Bill Hollywell in Italy, Italy. I have coach Paul in Canada. I have coach Donnie in Virginia. I have coach Ed here in in New York City and myself and myself. It's, it's how are my black belts sharing their expertise and knowledge of all the work that they've been through over the last four, five, six years? How are they applying that knowledge to someone else who's coming up? That's what a dojo is all about. So I created that in my business. (laughs) Super
0: kind of fun. <laughs> it's kind of fun. I love it, man. Yeah. And like I said, like I haven't, I haven't, I've, I've talked to many coaches. I know many coaches and I don't know anybody else that's done it as well as you have and using that model. So thank I think you. that's r- super important. And obviously thank you for sharing that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, thank, thank and, yeah, you. I think you can apply that to sports and I think you can also apply that model to literally anything, learning an instrument learning how to code, whatever it might be, becoming a better person, right? Whatever it might be, I think that's huge.
1: Right, right. right. Um, but but hold on one second. The, the, now, here's the last piece of this puzzle. They're just not black belts on my program. So as you walk through the process, you're a white belt as you beginner. You're a yellow belt. You get a yellow belt certificate that I send to the individual based on where they are. I give green belt certificates, but once they get to a brown belt, I actually give them a brown belt, an actual... Mm-hmm physical black brown belt. And when you get to a black belt, I give you a physical black belt, right? So all my clients, all my members put put them in plaques. I mean, it's just an amazing thing to be able to see because it's an achievement. It's some hard work. Hard sure. work. You know? Yeah.
0: And like I said, I was fortunate enough to witness one of those uh, <laughs> belts giving ceremonies at the um, day I came and crashed your camp and it was an awesome experience. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Well, this has been this. this, Excuse me. This has been really awesome, and thank you for your time and really educating. Hopefully, our viewers and also myself. And um, you know, Coach David has been a mentor for me in this regard. I think too. Um, And I guess you know, where can people learn more about you, and where can people visit your uh, business if they're interested? All
1: right. um, www.ciscycling.com is my handle? <laughs> I love that. This is my handle. Um, just look us up. We're 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 unique and we're different. Um, we're all about performance, and 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 if you want to grow and succeed, hit us up. Um, I mean, we have partners, and I I, I still actually this is funny, I still want to partner with you, Coach Shane, about some things too. For sure, and, and we can get, talk yeah. about that. But yeah, hit hit us up CIScycling.com. It's easy, easy to awesome. Know.
0: Thank you. Well, thank you for listening to the Never Going Pro podcast. Uh, my name is Shane Gaffney, again, joined by Coach David Lipscomb and Ride On. And I'll see you in Watopia.
1: Peace.